This is Floyd Hughes, pastor of Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. I just wanted to share about my new book, Act Like an E-Christian. The E stands for evangelical. And despite what you may have heard, evangelical Christianity has nothing to do with politics. It has to do with the reason the body of Christ exists, sharing the gospel. My book, a devotional based on the book of Acts, prayerfully encourages Christ followers to return to our evangelical roots of sharing the gospel with folks in our circles of influence. It's available on Amazon in paperback and for Kindle, and you can pick up a copy today. Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church of Jefferson Hills. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by sharing and showing the love of Christ and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now, here is this week's message from Pastor Floyd Hughes. Welcome to our Sunday morning worship celebration uh, where we love celebrating Jesus, but we also love Studying his word. So a um, couple of announcements as we get started this morning, just to keep you guys up to speed. The first week in November, our Tuesday night Bible study is switching to Thursday night. Um, next week, it will still be on Tuesday night. Uh, but Mark uh, has a lot of stuff going on on Tuesday night, and he leads our Tuesday night Bible study. We do it online via Zoom but we also share it to our Facebook page uh, so anyone can participate. But it will be same time, 7.07 p.m., but it will be on Thursday nights. Also, a couple more updates. Uh, The newest episode of the Moms Naps or Nothing group podcast is up. We're there talking about Halloween, sharing some Halloween tips and all of that good stuff. And... uh, I'm not even going to get into the whole candy thing because, yeah, but worth listening to, believe me, worth listening to. And speaking of Halloween and podcasts, Mark Berkshire and I uh, just finished and posted the newest episode of the Faith Responders podcast where we're talking about Halloween, but we're also talking about critical race theory from a biblical perspective. No matter where you stand on Halloween or critical race theory, You're not going to be happy with anything that we had to say. And we say that, that our goal is not to make people happy. Our goal is to share share God's truth. Here's what God's word says. So um, that being said, go check that out. Uh, Also, we are still collecting socks. So if you are out and about this week, uh, we did collect some cash. Oh, and I forgot to put these out here. Uh, Some cash last week. So, um, and just a reminder that if you put it money cash in the silver one, the silver is for socks, the others are not, you know, keep that rhyme in your head. So any cash in the silver ones is what we'll use to buy socks for those in need. And uh, lastly, uh, I just want to pray for the offering. I want to share something with you. I sent to the the board this morning, I don't know if they got it or not because it was early in the morning, Um, I was looking at the giving Um, percentages from 2019, 2020, and 2021 from the same period from uh, April, which is when our fiscal year starts, to now. 
we're weird. Our fiscal year starts from April 1st to March 31st. Uh, so during those same time periods, from 2019, uh, there was a set amount of giving. 2020, during the pandemic, when churches' giving went down, when churches were clothing, our giving increased by 40-something percent. That's because of you guys, faithfully giving. Um, there was only, from 2020 to this year, there was only like a 1% or something like that increase in giving, which is okay, because people are still struggling, people are still hurting, but I am just thankful that people are still giving so that we can continue to do the work that God has called us to do. So uh, I'm going to pray as the band comes up, and then we're going to just continue worshiping God in song. God, we are thankful so much for everything that you provide, every resource, every volunteer, every person that contributes of their time or their talent or of any financial resources. We are grateful. We are thankful to you. We give you praise that during a time of hardship and hurt uh, that we can be continued resources to use what you give us to be able to be blessings to others. And we pray that you would hold us accountable to that, that we use all of the resources that you provide to be a blessing to you and to be a blessing to others. And for that, we give you praise and honor and thanks. And we pray this in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen. Uh, this week, I spent uh, a little bit of time with some of the other pastors from our denominational affiliation, and we were talking about just a lot of the racial division throughout the body of Christ. And it was amazing. Uh, the guy who was leading the conversation asked us all to just go around and share, if we would, kind of like, is there a verse of scripture that kind of guides us in our thinking that we're supposed to love one another equally and, and to a person. Everyone came out with, you know, first and foremost, God said, you know, love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul and love others. And then this flood of verses, Old Testament, New Testament came out. And, and then when it came my turn, I, I talked about, you know, Acts 10, because I talk about that. We'll talk about that later today. But I also said, here's the problem. We're from a bunch of different churches and we understand and believe that God is real. We understand and believe that the Bible is his revelation to humanity. And there's literally a church that claims to be a Bible-believing church in every community in America. So why aren't we getting this right? And it got kind of silent because no one had an answer for that. And I was like, I'm not expecting us to be able to answer it. But I'm expecting us as pastors to acknowledge there's a problem, that we're not either sharing God's word correctly or effectively to where people are walking away thinking, I'm supposed to love everyone. Because that's said this before, it's throughout the Bible and almost every book of the Bible. That's the, the one job that God gives us. Yeah, love him, but love others. And if we get that right, we change everything in the world. So God, I pray that no matter what we are walking in here with on our shoulders this morning, I pray that we walk out of here with the understanding that we are supposed to love you like crazy, like no one else in our lives, and love our neighbors like we love ourselves, and that we are the only people that can get that truth across to America. Amen.
Making your way um, back to your seats and getting situated. Um, I saw a bunch of posts online this week. Uh, I'm not supposed to talk about this, but today is my daughter's birthday. Uh, she turns an age that she doesn't want named. <laughs> but she's getting up there. But I saw, I saw a bunch of posts that kind of made me think about, like, her getting adult. I saw posts, and you guys have probably seen it, the one making the rounds talking about, hey, um, ladies, it's getting darker now earlier, so when you get in your car, and I know you like to get situated and all that stuff, but make sure you lock all the doors, talking about safety. Uh, there was another one that was talking about when you get somewhere, um, and if your phone is low, like if you run out of gas or whatever, make sure you change your voicemail to say, hey, I'm stuck on this street, I got a flat tire, uh, I'm, I ran out of gas, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to stay in my car, whatever. So people know what's going on, because there's a lot of bad people in our world today, right? After seeing all those things, then I saw this, and I really don't even want to bring this up, but I kind of have to, and I'm, I'm tempted not to get the, the soapbox, because I don't, I don't want to get on a soapbox about this, but this is it's, it's just something we we have to talk about. Because if the church doesn't talk about certain things, then people won't know God's perspective on it, right? So I saw this earlier this week, this post talking about how there was a woman who was groped and then sexually abused on a subway train in Philadelphia. And the police chief, uh, this video, the police chief is saying that unfortunately... There were a lot of people on the train, not packed like 100 people, but a lot of people on the train, and unfortunately, no one helped her. But several people, I don't have my phone on me, pulled out their phone and took video of it. And I'm thinking, what is wrong with us in America? Now, the DA, uh, I don't know if it was the state DA, city DA, whatever, but the district attorney came up and said, no, 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 it's not as bad as you think. He said it wasn't like a train full of people. He said it was the train made 12 different stops, and people were getting on, and people were getting off. And I'm thinking that's worse, because it wasn't like all of us in this room just sat and watched, but more people came on, more people got off. I don't know how many of you have ever taken a subway. I'm not specific sure of how it works in Philadelphia, but in most major cities, it takes at least a minute to get from one stop to the other. The doors stay open for at least 20 seconds. Round that up to about 30. So for 12 stops, that means for a minimum of 12 to 15 minutes, people got on and off a train, saw this woman being physically attacked, sexually abused, and one person called 911, although multiple people took out their phones. This is what we've become. Because there are, and again, I'm not, I'm not you know, trying to, to say right or wrong or whatever, but there are so many people outraged over Dave Chappelle 
making jokes. He's a comedian. If you don't know who he is, don't Google him because <laughs> he's not a Christian comedian. But making jokes about the sexuality of people, like they're calling for the, 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 uh, him to be canceled and the head of Netflix to be fired and all of this stuff because someone said something about someone's sexuality. But no one is up in arms or no one took the time to intervene when a woman was physically and sexually abused in a public place. Not one person intervened and only one person called the cops. Now, I can't prove this from the Bible. I, I can't. I cannot prove this from the Bible. There's not a version here. But I'm pretty sure God would be okay that if you came across someone sexually abusing someone, choke them out. Knock them out. At least call the cops. Right? I don't think anyone's going to hell for that. But this is the culture that we have become where we let things like this happen. And I'll admit, this isn't the best way to start a Sunday celebration, but we have to talk about things that are going on in the culture because there are consequences for our actions, but there's also consequences for our inaction. Because when the church stays silent on things, the world assumes we condone it. If we don't speak up, they assume that we're going right along with them. And like I said, we've been walking through um, the book of uh, Lamentations, which is not even one of the great books of the Bible that people talk about all the time and celebrate and like, hey, have you read Lamentations? Uh, no one's been like, hey, let's do a Bible study on the book of Lamentations. But it's one of those books where, uh, like we said, the prophet uh, Jeremiah talks about the consequences of sin. He spent 40 years preaching to the nation that they need to repent from their sin, and then when they didn't, he had to watch the consequences of their sin. And I'm here to tell you, the sins that they did were just like this. Allowing those things to happen, condoning those things to happen, watching those things happen in their culture and not doing anything about it. And so chapter after chapter, he pours out his heart about his grief and his heartache about having to watch uh, his city deal with the consequences of their sin, right? And then he says that there are very real physical and spiritual consequences for our sins. Over and over. This is what we've been reiterating the last few weeks. When we do things or when we don't, if they are sinful, there are physical consequences and there are spiritual consequences. Now, we're going to cover like the last chapter and a half today. And in the last chapter and a half, it's not just him focusing on, hey, here are the consequences for their sin. The message he's trying to get across is this didn't have to happen, right? No one has to deal with the consequences of sin because Jesus has dealt with it for us. But he's going to talk about, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, some of the painful, horrible things that the people had to experience. So if you have a Bible, open it up to uh, Lamentations chapter 4. Lamentations chapter 4. If you don't have a Bible, it should be one under your chair, under your seat, in front of you, left, right of you. And if not, raise your hand. We'll have someone bring you a Bible. In Lamentations chapter 4, and again, this isn't like the popular go-to, you know, there's very few 
times in the New Testament, I can't even think of one off the top of my head, where the New Testament writers are quoting the book of Lamentations because it's harsh and it's horrible and it's painful and that's the message that Jeremiah is trying to get across. So in chapter 4, he says, because of, verse 4, because of the thirst, or excuse me, because of thirst, the infant's tongue sticks to the roof of its mouth. The children beg for bread, but no one gives it to them. Those who once ate delicacies are destitute in the streets. Those nurtured in purple, meaning the rich and the elite, now lie in heaps. And he was talking about, and we mentioned this before, he was talking about when the city actually came under siege. And what they would do is the Babylonians circled around the city, cut off any food coming in and out, and they stayed there for two years. And that's the way they would siege a walled city. Right? Because if the walls were up and you weren't able to penetrate it, they would just cut off all the food going in and then wait them out. And then it was a matter of if you had more food inside than the soldiers did outside, you could win. And they would just go away. But if you didn't, then you would experience the horrible things that he's about to mention here. Verse 6, the punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, which was overthrown in a moment without a hand turned to help her. Their princes, he's talking about Jerusalem again, their princes were brighter than snow. He's talking about the rich and the elite. Their princes were brighter than snow and whiter than milk. Their bodies more ruddy than rubies. Their appearance like sapphires. But now, under siege, they are blacker than soot. They are not recognized in the streets. Their skin has shriveled on their bones and it has become as dry as stick. Here's the reality, because when you're going through something as a culture, right, doesn't matter if you're rich or poor. Once the food is gone, the food is gone. Here's the problem that we have today. This is like a little sidebar. The rich and the elite and the political masses don't go through what we go through. There are people who have lost their jobs, lost their businesses, lost this, that, and the other because of the pandemic. Not one single politician mixed, missed a paycheck. Not one. The whole time. And when it came time, like, hey, if we don't pass this bill, the government will shut down, they have the ability to just say, oh, well, let's just raise the ceiling so that we can continue to get paid. We don't get that. When we suffer, we suffer hard. When people lost their businesses and lost their jobs and whole uh, family legacies were wiped out within months because of the pandemic and some of it because of, you know, either lack of government interaction or too much government interaction. And even now, when, when people are losing their jobs, and listen, hear me, hear me on this, it doesn't matter. If, if, if your doctor says get a vaccine, get the vaccine. If your doctor says don't, don't. But here's the thing. That mandate doesn't apply to them. Doesn't apply to Congress. It only applies to us. So there are people losing their jobs now because they're like, hey, I don't want to get this vaccine. There are congressmen who haven't gotten it yet. They will still be employed and they will not miss a paycheck. It isn't about whether or not the vaccine is going to help you. It's about, hey, the government imposing something on us that isn't imposed on them. But when this happened, all of the rich, all of the political class, all of the ruling class, everyone was lumped together. 
when there was no food, didn't matter how much money you had, everyone was starving. And it got so bad that it says in verse 9, those killed by the sword are better off than those who die of famine. Racked with hunger, they waste away for lack of food from the field. And verse 10, with their own hands, compassionate women have cooked their own children who became their food when my people were destroyed. And we talked about this before, and I want to make sure we understand. This is not a metaphor. This isn't some, well, here's what the Bible means. What it means is that there was no food, so people turned to cannibalism in order to survive. Right? Verse 11 says this, The Lord has given full vent to his wrath. He has poured out his fierce anger. He kindled a fire in Zion, Zion, excuse me, that consumed her foundation. And here's this, the kings of the earth did not believe, nor did any of the world's people, that enemies and foes could enter the gates of Jerusalem because they all thought, hey, and they knew they're protected by God. There's no one that's ever going to be able to take that city down, not because of the walls, but because God is with them. But then they sinned against God, and God stepped back and said, I'm out. And verse 13 proves this because it says, but it happened because of the sins of her prophets, the people who were supposed to speak on behalf of God to the people, and the iniquities of her priests, the people who were supposed to intervene between man and God, who shed within her the blood of the righteous. Again, this didn't have to happen. But those people who knew God, this isn't talking about people that didn't know God, right? This isn't talking about unchurched people or non-Christian folks who, who, who sinned against God so God came after them. This is talking about people who claim to know God and claim to love God, and yet the church, the priests, the prophets, didn't listen to God. Even though Jeremiah warned them over and over and over, uh, stay, stay in Lamentations, in Jeremiah 6 is what we read. This is Jeremiah preaching to the people, flee for safety, people of Benjamin, flee from Jerusalem, sound the trumpet in Tekoa, raise the signal over Beth Hakarim. Disaster looms out of the north, even terrible destruction. The north is where the Babylonians came from. I will destroy daughter Zion, so beautiful and delicate. This is what he was saying. Hey, if you don't get right, God is going to bring in another nation and crush us like bugs because of our sin. He goes on and he says this. This is what the Lord Almighty says. It's really hard to say, well, I didn't know what you meant, and I didn't know that was from God, when he clearly says, the Lord Almighty says, cut down the trees, build siege ramps against Jerusalem, which is what happened. This city must be punished. It is filled with oppression because they oppress the poor. As, as a well pours out its water, so she pours out her wickedness. Violence and destruction resound in her. Her sickness and wounds are ever before me. This is the way God saw the people of God. As violent, oppressive, wicked, evil people. And so then God says this. Take warning, Jerusalem, or I will turn away from you and make your land desolate so no one can live in it. I mean, I don't know what more you need. And it wasn't like they were trying to convert people to get to know God. 
right? Because when you go up to non-Christians and say, hey, if you don't get right with God, you're going to go to hell. No one wants to hear that, right? The person that told me that on the street, I, I went the other way. But when you go to the people of God and say, listen up, if we don't get right, God is coming for us, you would think that the people who know God and claim to love him would listen. Jump over to chapter 5, verse 7. He says this, our father sinned and are no more, meaning the uh, predecessors, and we bear their punishment. And they bear their punishment not because we didn't do anything wrong, but because they adopted their sins. He said slaves rule over us. That word slave is the word bondservant because that's what the Babylonians were. They were serving God when they came in and destroyed Jerusalem. And there is no one or none to free us from their hands. Drop down to verse 11. Women have been ravished in Zion. This is what happened when the walls came down. Babylonians came in. They, they, they raped, pillaged, and plundered, pretty much. Women have been ravaged in Zion and virgins in the towns of Judah. Princes have been hung up by their hands, the elite. Elders are shown no respect. Young men toil at the millstones. Boys stagger under loads of wood. The elders are gone from the city gate. The young men have stopped their music. Joy is gone from our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. The crown has fallen from our head. Woe to us, for we have sinned. There is no one to blame for our sins but us. And, what, and here's the reality. He says that, he says that what happened to uh, Sodom, right, it was even worse what happened to them than what happened to Sodom. And what Jesus tells us is it's going to be even worse for us if we don't get right. He says in uh, Lamentations chapter 4, he says this. He says, the punishment of my people is greater than that of Sodom, right? Sodom uh, 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 wasn't just uh, destroyed for its sexual sin, which is what people think because we use the word sodomy. It was destroyed because they were literally oppressing, robbing, abusing, and stealing from anyone who was not a resident of their city. Anyone that came through, they had a law that said, oh, Gary just drove through in a nice car. I could use another car. I could throw Gary out of his car. Well, he's big. A couple of us could throw Gary out of his car, and then we could take Gary's car. That was the law for Sodom, and that's why it was overthrown. But then Jesus says this in Matthew. Jesus is talking to the people, and again, he's not talking to people that don't know God. He's talking to people that claim to have a relationship with God. And he says, but what to what shall I liken this generation? It is like little children sitting in the marketplace who call to their playmates. We piped to you playing wedding and you did not dance. We wailed dirges playing funeral and you did not mourn and beat your breasts and weep aloud. And a lot of people don't understand what this means. Jesus is saying, hey, what am I likening this generation to? A group of people who are clueless. Because there are children playing the flute at <laughs> Bobby gave me this movie, and the first thing that came up was this verse. I was like, yes, I'm preaching on this tomorrow. This will work great. But uh, playing the flute for a wedding song, and people were like, hey, I didn't know there was a wedding going on. 
There's like a funeral procession going on that the children acknowledge, hey, there's a funeral, but the generation is like, we didn't know there was a funeral going on. Jesus says, it's like, I'm likening this generation to a bunch of clueless people who don't see what's happening in the culture. Even though the children do, you're still blind to everything that's going on, right? He says, then he began to censure and reproach, and some versions say to denounce the cities in which most of his mighty works had been performed. And here's why. Because they did not repent from their sins, and their hearts were not changed. These were cities that claimed, we know God, we do all the right things, we go to church, we, we, we pay our taxes, uh, we vote, we do this, we do that. And yet Jesus was denouncing them, saying, you're going to be, and the reason it says censured means you're going to be cut off. And to one of them, he says this. He says, and you, Capernaum, are you to be lifted up to heaven? That's basically saying, you guys in Capernaum, you think you're going to heaven? He says, you shall be brought down to Hades, the region of the dead. His response, Jesus, and he's the one who should know, you're not going to heaven. You're going to hell. Again, he's not trying to convert a bunch of non-Christian folks. He's talking to people that claim to be the church. We fill the pews every Sunday. We sing the hymns. We give our tithes. We do all of this. But he says, for if the mighty works done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have continued and today, until today. But I tell you, it shall be more endurable for the land of Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. And again, he goes back, because you didn't repent from your sins. Your hearts weren't changed. There are so many people, no one take this personally, because I'm not talking about anyone in this room, but there are so many people that sit in the pews every Sunday. They show up like clockwork. They're there more often than the pastor. They tithe regularly. They vote. Uh, uh, they, they go help out at charitable organizations. They work in a children's ministry, they sing on stage, they do all this stuff, but their hearts have not repented from the sins that they're doing. They're blind to what's happening in the culture, and they think because they walk into this building that they're saved. And Jesus tells this whole city, Capernaum was the place where Matthew is believed to have lived there. Uh, right next door to Capernaum, I forget, two other apostles uh, were supposed to have lived, and they did amazing miracles. Jesus healed people there. He rebuked demons out of people there. And that wasn't enough. They were still blind, and they wouldn't repent from their sins. And they thought, but we do all the right things. We're going to heaven and Jesus literally said, you're going to hell. And he was talking to the church folks. He wasn't talking to non-Christians. So here's, here, here's the question then. What do we do to ensure this doesn't happen to us? Because, I mean, uh, uh, Jeremiah preached for 40-something years to Israel, right? But it still happened to them. They didn't repent from their sins. And God had to step in, and they were crushed. And like we just read, it's going to be worse for us than for them or for Sodom. People on the day of judgment 
are going to, like, the city of Sodom is going to stand up and look at people today and say, wow, it sucks to be you. At least I'm not you. That should literally break our hearts. So here's, here's, here's what we have to do. I'm going to close with this. Um, there's an account in Scripture where one of the apostles was actually one of the people whose heart was unrepentant, who kind of got pulled back in to what was going on to the culture, was blind to the fact that what was going on in the culture was actually sin. And so this is how we're told it was addressed. And again, this isn't instruction saying we are to use this exact verbiage, we are to do this exact thing, but it is a prescription for how we, the church, can get back on track. Um, in the book of Galatians, uh, Paul is writing to uh, the churches in Galatia. We're actually going to go through this book next year, uh, beginning of next year. Uh, this is the Amplified Version. But when Cephas, this is Paul writing to them, right? He says, but when Cephas, that's Peter, came to Antioch, I protested and opposed him to his face concerning his conduct there. For he was blamable and stood condemned. For up to the time that certain persons came from James, he ate meals with the Gentile converts. But when the men from Jerusalem arrived, he withdrew and held himself aloof from the Gentiles, excuse me, and ate separately for fear of those of the circumcision party. Let me tell you what's going on. Peter came to Antioch. Um, there were a bunch of Gentiles who had converted to Christianity. They weren't Jewish. There were Gentiles converted to Christianity. Peter was like, oh, Larry, you're here. Good to see you. Let's, let's have food together. Sharon, nice to meet you. Beth, good to know you. Chris, I'm glad you came. He hung out with them. He had coffee and donuts with them and Doritos and tacos or whatever else, you know, that kind of thing like we do here. But then when the folks from Jerusalem came, he wouldn't talk to Larry or Sharon. He didn't say hi to Chris. He ignored them. Because some of the folks from Jerusalem were like, hey, they're not real Christians because they're not Jewish. Here's the problem with that. The only reason any Gentile was reached was because of Peter. Because in Acts chapter 10, like we talked about earlier, the Holy Spirit had to tell Peter that, hey, the gospel isn't just for the Jews. Because for the first 10 years, that's the only people that heard it because it came out of Jerusalem. And they didn't know that, oh, it's supposed to go to other people. They thought it was just, hey, this is, this is what uh, uh, Judaism is supposed to be. We're waiting for the Messiah. The Messiah is Jesus. It's an extension of Judaism. And then the Holy Spirit had to literally talk to Peter and say, hey, no, I want you to take this message to people that don't look like you, don't think like you, and don't vote like you. So he went to the house of a man named Cornelius, and the first thing he said when he got to his house is, you know, if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, I wouldn't even talk to you because my culture says I'm not even supposed to go into your house. I'm not supposed to talk to you or associate with you, which is not what the Bible says, but that's what they turned it into. So Peter goes into his house, he shares the gospel with him and his family. While Peter is preaching, the Holy Spirit falls on all of them. They put their faith in Jesus Christ, and they become believers. Peter goes back to the church in Jerusalem, and he says, hey, this is what happened, and these guys witnessed it. The Holy Spirit fell on them, and they, everyone was like, I guess the gospel is for everyone. 
And then Paul comes and he carries the gospel throughout the known world. This is about 20 years later. Peter is back to, I don't want to associate with you when these people are around. I don't want to do that. And then it says not only that, uh, verse 13, it says, the rest of the Jews along with him also concealed their true convictions and acted insincerely with the results that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. So the culture, even though it wasn't right, they let it influence them, and technically this is sin. Because instead of loving their neighbor, they were avoiding their neighbor and being disrespectful to their neighbor. And they started doing what the culture did. They brought it into the church, and no one said a word, and it spread. So that God-honoring people, even like Barnabas, was like, well, I guess this is the way we're supposed to treat other people, even though Barnabas was one of the people that went with Paul on the missionary journeys and, and shared the gospel all around the known world. But Barnabas was like, well, if, if, if the leaders of the church are doing this, I guess it's okay to treat people this way. And they were ignoring what they were supposed to do, not realizing there are very real consequences for their sin. And it would have continued except for Paul. Paul said, as soon as I saw that they were not straightforward and not living up to the truth of the gospel, he confronted him. And I know you can read everything that he says of how he confronted him about, you know, you act this way with the Jews and you act this way and that's not right. What he said is not as important as is the fact that he stepped up to him and said, dude, you're wrong. That's not the gospel. That's not how we're supposed to treat one another. That's not the way that we're supposed to act. That is nowhere within God's word, the little of it they had at that time. That's not right. And that's what we have to do as the church. And it's hard, right? But we have to be willing to stand up and not give in to the culture, but to stand up respectfully and publicly opposed to anything that prohibits us from living up to the truth of the gospel. That's what we have to be willing to stand up for. I'm not telling us, uh, you know, you can, you can stand up for, for, for your politicians, whatever one you support, Democrat, Republican, Libertarian, Independent, whatever it is. You can stand up, you know, for your, your, your beliefs. But when it comes to the gospel, it is not an option. When something does not line up with the truth of the gospel, then we in the church have to stand up and say, that's not right, even if it's two other Christians, especially if it's two other Christians. And I had that conversation uh, as the band comes up. I'm going to close with this. I had that conversation uh, with some people online because we were doing another TikTok live. I know most of you don't know what TikTok is. That's okay. And, and, and we were talking about dealing with um, people who are opposed to what we're saying. And, I'm, and I made the statement. I said, I, I really, I don't, I'm not trying to support a denominational belief. I'm not trying to support a political belief. But if what you're saying 
I don't care what denomination you are. I don't care what your political status is. If it doesn't line up with the Bible and you're claiming it does, I'm going to call you out. Respectfully, but publicly, because if you're making a public proclamation about the Bible that's false, that has the potential to lead people astray, I'm going to call you out. I'm not trying to, to gain followers. I'm not trying to demean you. But I'm going to stand up for the gospel. And we had this conversation, Mark and I, uh, I told you, we just posted a new episode of the Faith Responders podcast, and we were talking about Halloween, and we began talking about Christmas, because right now, all over, I know, you guys aren't on TikTok, all over TikTok are all the people that are claiming, and I've been called this multiple times, I've been told I'm a heretic, I'm leading people to hell, and I'm a false prophet for saying it's okay to celebrate Christmas. Showed people biblically why that is. Showed people here's why we believe what we believe. But if you're going to claim that the Bible says we shouldn't celebrate Christmas or Halloween or anything, and it's not in there, then I'm going to call you out. Because you have the potential to lead people astray. And God didn't put us here so that we can stay comfortably and pack as many people into a building as possible. He put us here so that we could change the world by revealing his truth and by inviting people to be recipients of his love. So I'm going to ask you to stand, uh, and we're going to sing that song, We Are Yours, and then afterwards, I'm going to ask us to pray a specific prayer. God, we hold to that truth that we are your people, and as such, we have a responsibility to you to love you with all our heart, mind, body, and soul, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. But we also have a mandate that you put upon the church to share your love with those in our circles of influence and to stand up for your word. God, we know that there's a lot of things going on, not just in our community, but in this world right now that don't line up with the truth of the gospel. So we pray that you would speak to each one of us individually. Give us the courage, the passion, and the strength to make a bold proclamation of your truth and to stand up where we need to. And we pray this in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. 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 We hope you enjoyed the message. If you did, please leave a comment on our webpage crossroadsofjeffersonhills.com or our Facebook page. You can also join our Sunday celebration every Sunday at 1037 a.m. We look forward to hearing from you online or in person. Thank you and God bless.